Welcome to the Today's Market Explained podcast, where we will be sharing some of the most important investment opportunities that we are seeing in ways that are easy to understand and hopefully even easier for you to benefit from. We will also interview subject matter experts who can give insights into new and exciting investment opportunities. To maximize every episode's value, please go to todaysmarketexplained.com and download your copy of the 65 investment terms you must know to reach your financial goals in the shortest time possible. To see all the best video highlights from every episode, please follow at Today's Market Explained on TikTok, Instagram, and of course, YouTube. So now on to the episode. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Four Star Podcast here. Uh, this is the 6th of, I'm sorry, the 5th of April, and we're talking about the uh, economy for the end of the first quarter. Uh, and we're going to talk about all the crazy things that have been going on in the last couple of weeks. Uh, here in the Four Star Today's Market Explained podcast. I'm Brian Castle, your host, along with my co-host, Mr. Chris Reardon. Chris, are you there? I'm here, Brian. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon to everyone out there and uh, glad to be on. Excellent. Well, good. Um, well, everyone knows Chris is our director of development at Four Star Wealth, and he runs everything having to do with portfolios and marketing and, and development, of, uh, new clients and whatnot. So he's extremely valuable guy to our firm, and he's got a lot of great insights on all the things going on in the industry. So welcome, Chris, to the podcast. Thanks again. And I'm Brian Castle, again, your host. I'm the CEO, founder of Four Star Eagle Scout, trustee of the National Boy Scout Foundation. I'm a philanthropic advisor and advisor to CEOs and insiders, a chief dad to Evan and Quinn and husband to the amazing Tripti. And just a reminder, if everybody uh, here likes what they're hearing, give us a five out of five ranking. The more rankings we get, the more people that hear it, and the more we can do, the more information we can get out there. Uh, so we're going to do a standard review today. We're going to start out with market discussions about the economy then, and then also what we see in general out there. Uh, and Chris, you always have the numbers on the markets since we last did our last podcast, which was on the 24th of March. So what has changed since the 24th of March, Chris, in the yeah. market? Yep. So um, some changes here, nothing I would say kind of uh, massive, I would characterize, nothing on that point, but uh, commodities still holds the number one position. Uh, it did move down two points, so slight deterioration there. It's at 324 uh, tally points. Uh, domestic equities in the number two position, uh, it moved down two points as well to 271. Uh, in the third position, the uh, largest winner, if you will, of the, the time frame was international equities. It gained 15 points uh, to 191 on the third position. Fixed income lost nine points uh, to 128 in the fourth position. Cash gained one point in fifth position to 110. And then currencies still in last place, it lost three points to 67. So uh, really the biggest winner um, in there was international equities. Uh, the biggest loser would be kind of fixed income everything else was really kind of um, just a couple points here or there. So, so the only real change in strength was in uh, international South Africa, South America, Chris, if I believe yep. that's yep. right. And, and yeah. that's, those are all, those are all high commodity markets anyway, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, South Africa, you have a lot of gold mining, um, a lot of kind of miners, uh, raw resources there. And then South America is characterized with a lot of, uh, potash, you have a lot of agricultural 
um, exports there. So it, it's really been a lot of these smaller countries that have kind of stayed out of the limelight, if you will, from mm-hmm. sanctions and, and the war, but still been able to provide these raw resources that are, are in high demand and in, in short uh, supply right now with the uh, war going on in Ukraine. So um, mm-hmm. those have been kind of the, the biggest drivers, if you will. And then uh, the other thing I'll mention is with commodities, even though it lost two points, um, you know, mostly what we saw there is kind of a large move uh, with and coinciding with the Ukrainian war. And it, it hasn't really deteriorated that much. It's just kind of settled down off of those highs. So if you can imagine, a, you know, a 50% move and then kind of settling more into a 30 to 35% move, move range, which is pretty typical of commodities. Yes. And commodities are very wild trading, up and down, very volatile. Uh, so that's been quite an interesting adventure as we have and the, for, the first quarter here. And uh, Chris, I might mention uh, to our listeners, the first quarter of this year was the worst quarter since uh, first quarter of 2020. Uh, so it's a worst quarter in, in two years. The tech stocks got crushed. Uh, and at one point during the uh, quarter, the uh, S&P and the broader markets were uh, down uh, more than 10%, which is considered to be in a correction phase. And then the technology indexes were down more than 20%, which is considered to be bear market stage. That's all turned around, however, uh, January and then really February was very rough. But then uh, March was an up month. So the S&P was down just a little more than 4% uh, with the broader indexes a little or the more narrow indexes a little bit more. So, uh, but now we enter the second quarter with the worst quarter in two years under our belt, where the S&P 500 is 99% overbought, according to our friends at Canterbury, uh, one of the research houses that we work with, our friends uh, Tom Tom Harden and Brandon Bishop. So uh, 99% overbought. So those are, what's one of those Wall Street terms, like overbought, how can something be overbought? Well, what that means is that relates to a trading range. So if the markets are generally rising and they and they trade back and forth in a range, then if it's at the high end of that range, it's considered to be overbought. So the mid-range, it's like equal, not overbought, oversold. So we're way at the high end of the normal range on a short-term basis. So this uh, little rally we've had in March has been really powerful because uh, the markets were down a lot more at the end of February. So maybe this trend will continue. So we're always trying to figure out, is this the beginning uh, or is this just a little rally within a big, longer bear market or are the bottoms already in for the near term uh, in February? And, and, and time will tell, right, Chris? We don't even know. Uh, mm-hmm. We just have to follow the evidence. And we haven't seen any real confirming signals that this is a broad-based overall rally. Uh, but right now, the markets are a little bit extended on a short-term basis. So now we might see a little bit of weakness. And then if it's going to go back upward, then that would be the confirming signal. So um, that, that sounds about right to me, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of variables out there, too. Um, you know, just in in the environment we're in now, it's very uh, event-driven. Um, you know, we have that war going on, you know, Ukraine. So any major updates or changes to that could have significant impacts on the market. Uh, and then uh, the Federal Reserve, um, which is in the process of raising rates, any deviations or changes from that or accelerations could have major impact. So we're yeah. in a very sensitive time period. And, and I think trying to predict any of that is, um, you know, it's almost it's impossible. 
Right. Well, now just looking at the U.S. economy, we saw uh, U.S. retail sales started to slow. A uh, bunch of different numbers, Chris. You've got a, a whole list of them. Yep. Uh, so retail sales, uh, they rose, but they did slow kind of uh, over the previous month. They rose to a seasonally adjusted 0.3% in February over January. Uh, and this, what they kind of saw is consumers spent more on gasoline and vehicles. Um, what they cut back on is online and discretionary spending. So we're already seeing these high gas prices um, kind of start to pinch the wallets of consumers. Uh, and they're having to choose where they need to spend that money. Remember, money is a limited resource for most people. So, you know, if you can't spend it or if you have to spend it somewhere else, you can't spend it, you know, buying a new uh, fun gadget on Amazon. Uh, the initial oh. jobless claims came out. They fell by 15,000 to a seasonally adjusted 214,000. Um, that was for the week ending, um, I think, for uh, April 2nd. And then the employers, they added 431,000 jobs in March. Uh, with the unemployment rate falling to 3.6%. Uh, mm -hmm. So we continue to see a very robust and uh, strong um, strong job markets, which is very positive. Uh, the number, number of job openings was little change. is at 11.3 million. Uh, and that was at the very end of February. So um, once again, still a lot of job openings, Very still very strong labor market is what we're seeing. Yes. Um, and then on the... Um, on the kind of the uh, home sale or real estate front, existing home sales fell 7.2% in February from January, January uh, to a seasonally adjusted 6.02 million. Uh, now that um, difference was 2.4% uh, year over year sales fell. So February from February, uh, they fell 2.4%. Um, most of this drop you know, we have higher interest rates now. Interest rates are rising, so we have higher interest rates. But most of the drop, surprisingly, was actually uh, attributed to um, supply. We have a, an increasing shortage of supply, and and potential sellers are reluctant to go on to, to list their house because they don't want to be be exposed to um, the current real estate market and having to bid for a you know house maybe be exposed to a higher interest rate than they're currently uh, locked in for. Yeah. Um, on that note, I'll say the average rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage, it jumped to 4.67%, uh, which is the highest reading since December 2018. It's almost four years. Um, that, that number jumped from 4.42% week over week and then jumped from 3.22% to start the year. So almost a 1.5% jump on mortgage rates. Um, from the beginning of the year to really, we could call it the end of March. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a very substantial jump. Um, and then that's obviously having an impact. Uh, but surprisingly, like I mentioned, we're not seeing that slowdown um, from home buying activity as we would expect. Uh, the number of applications submitted uh, for mortgages um, from hopeful home buyers rose three out of the last four weeks. So we continue to see it almost accelerating. Uh, the home buying. So we continue to see a strong real estate market. Uh, and then the last thing I'll mention, uh, I thought this was kind of cool. Uh, female wage growth is increasing at a faster rate than for men. Uh, female wages yeah. are up 4.4% in February year over year. Uh, and that's compared to 4.1% 4, 4 rise in male wages. And then in December, female wage gains exceeded male gains by 0.5%, um, 50 basis points. And that matches the widest margin uh, ever tracing back to 1997 when it was recorded. So, um, you know, it's good news as well. Raise a glass to the ladies. Congratulations. <laughs>
So that's a good trend and something hopefully we continue to see. Excellent. Well, good. Well, those are a lot of great numbers, Chris. And, you know, so we're getting like conflicting inputs, good inputs and bad inputs. Uh, we're seeing inflation. We're seeing some crowding out of spending. So eventually that can affect the economy as well. And then uh, we talked about how the bond market, the yield um, curve is inverted, uh, meaning that uh, you'll get a higher yield for shorter term money than you will for 20 or 30 year money. And so that is highly correlated with the recession. So now, of course, some are insisting there will be a recession, but it's not 100% correlated. So it's only about 80%. So there's still a possibility we don't fall into a recession. So uh, why would this time be different? Well, there are a lot of weird things that have gone on in our economy because of the pandemic and a lot of crazy things that we've never thought we'd seen before or would see ever again, like this big inflation. And then also, uh, you know, while we were having an economic slowdown in January a wee bit, and then uh, inflation was starting to hurt the economy, then this war started with Putin uh, and Russia you know, going off into Ukraine. And of course, they got blamed for the oil price, but th that was already up much before uh, the war, and they got it blamed for inflation. They That went up much before the war as well. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on that are confusing to a lot of people. So we just have to keep watching the evidence and see what the markets do. Um, you know, the, the the Fed is going to raise rates again, expected to raise 50 basis points. And the betting is now that uh, at the next opportunity, they're going to do that. They just did 25 basis points last month. And it appears they're going to do more. Uh, Jamie Dimon thinks the Fed will go very fast and raise rates pretty sharply. Bill Gross, the bond king, warns that the Fed rate increases will crack the U.S. economy, and maybe that'll lead to that recession that the market's signaling or the bond market is signaling. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's a really funky time. Uh, the sectors that are doing the best are energy, and now, once again, technology, and then healthcare, although healthcare on our work is the stocks are still rate ranked negatively, but energy and technology are very strong. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of what we see in the economy. Another really interesting thing uh, that has been developing is with inflation kicking in in the last couple, uh, maybe six months or so, Chris, we've seen uh, the evidence of shrinkflation. Uh, we can thank a couple of our good friends for that comment. Shrinkflation is where you still pay the same amount for a certain good, but you get less of it or you get a, a cereal box that is a little smaller for the same price. So they're shrinking the units uh, and charging the same amount. So shrinkflation is happening. It's just another form of inflation, a unit price inflation, essentially. And so that's really a, been a big issue. So, um, you know, the jury is still out on this economy. We really don't know where it's going to go. Uh, Chris, uh, the Bob, Bob Barone, uh, the four-star economist, believes that there will be a recession and believes that the Fed is causing most of the problems uh, with, with their uh, with their uh, quantitative easing. Now they have quantitative tightening, and now they're going to raise rates uh, right at uh, all the wrong time, according to uh, four-star economist Bob Barone. So we'll see. We're, we're going to have Bob and Josh on with us again in a couple of weeks and see uh, what comments they want to offer. Uh, Bob writes in Forbes magazine, so you can see some of his work there, uh, either online or in the magazine itself but we'll have a, a personal visit with Bob on the Four Star Podcast. So um, anyway, that's what we see so far. Um, 
Chris, you know, the other thing, we talked a little bit about this war. Uh, it looks like Russia could be losing the war or, or they could be, could be uh, just changing tactics to try and get a little bit of territory and then, and then end the war. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Russia's initial advance was, I think, in their their thoughts, they were going to win the war in their mind uh, in a week. They were not going to be experience the resistance they experienced. They were going to be able to kind of decapitate the government there, install a puppet government, which was, you know, in there before 2014 when they was overthrown. And, um, you know, I think what people don't realize is to actually hold a country the size of Ukraine, which the landmass of Ukraine is the second largest landmass on the continental Europe uh, outside of Russia. It's a very, very, very large country. So I think right now we're seeing Russia come to the realization that with the current atmosphere with the current environment there, they're not going to be able to do that. So they're kind of withdrawing, I think, putting a more concerted effort into the east and um, southeast uh, and, and just trying to take where they can take and hold, especially with troops amount, because they don't want to put 500 or a million troops into Ukraine to hold the entire country. It's, it's going to cause more issues. Yes. Well, and, and, and recently, uh, you know, the, the uh, Ukrainians have been winning. Uh, everyone's concerned about what would happen to the economy. And it seems like, you know, uh, a couple of things are happening that will be a legacy of this war. Uh, one, for sure, is that 20% of the world's grain markets are in the countries of Russia and Ukraine. Russia is being hampered significantly by all the uh, sanctions, and the sanctions will get worse. Um, Ukraine, obviously, is uh, not open for business. Uh, they're defending a war. Uh, so there's not much production going on there. And so that's going to affect grain prices. It's going to affect food prices as well. Uh, so that's certainly uh, an issue. But unless something uh, really crazy happens, like nuclear bombs and things like that, the rest of the of, of the war's issues probably shouldn't affect the world economy as much. Uh, the fear factor is certainly there, and and that's what we're concerned about. But it seems it seems to be less and less important. Uh, so hopefully that continues to be the case, and some sort of negotiated settlement ends this conflict, uh, and then we don't have to worry so much about that in the world. Very sad for all the people in Ukraine all the, you know, just uh, atrocities and things that we've been hearing about recent days. That's all very, very sad. Um, and from the perspective of the economy, hopefully it isn't going to be as much of an issue. Um, you know, uh, when the war started, uh, the administration started trying to blame the war and Putin uh, on uh, gas prices and inflation. And in fact, uh, the recent speech the president said, uh, number one was that the gas prices went down as gas consumption totally died. Uh, and uh, then, of course, the war started and gas prices went back up and he blames all of that on, on, on Putin. So uh, what do the people think? Well, recent poll, 68 percent of Americans blame Joe Biden personally for inflation, for his policies. 68 uh, percent blame Joe Biden for gas prices. And 66% disapprove of his job performance. So, you know, while the administration is blaming uh, uh, Putin and the war, uh, the public doesn't seem to be buying it. Uh, Chris, you uh, had looked into uh, changes, though, from this war regarding currency and settling uh, in, in dollars or in other currencies in oil, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it was kind of mid mid uh, to late March that um, news broke that Saudi Arabia was in talks uh, to trade oil with China utilizing the yuan uh, instead of uh, the dollar, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's a very big deal. Uh, since really 1970s, the 1970s, um, they, uh, oils, the oil market's been pretty much uh, completely exchanged in dollars. It's been termed the petrodollar. Um, globally. And, um, you know, it provides a big boon for the dollar, especially as a reserve currency. And, um, you know, so if Saudi Arabia does go forward with this, which isn't too big of a stretch, you know, in 1970, the United States was the biggest biggest consumer of oil. Uh, now China is the biggest consumer of oil. Um, so I would say it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, if they went forward with um, exchanging oil um, or selling oil to them in one instead of dollars, uh, it would start to kind of put cracks into the foundation of the current um, environment we're in. So, um, you know, we'll see what, what happens there, but, uh, you know, it could set a big precedent and we'll see if they go forward with it. Yes. Well, and, and then we've seen gold. Uh, we talked on the last podcast, gold is breaking up to all time highs and gold hadn't done anything for a long time because Bitcoin and, and uh, you know, the cryptocurrencies were taking most of the action in the anti-currency world, but now gold is starting to run as well. Uh, and that may be a reflection of this concern also that maybe the dollar isn't the reserve currency or will at least get crowded out uh, in the desire to um, settle in Chinese yuan or in Russian rubles. But at the same time, those, econ those economies aren't as reliable as the US economy. So I'm not sure how many people are going to want to be trading currencies that are so volatile because of political instability, uh, where the, there's less political instability in the United States. But on the margin, it could affect things to some extent. And that's why gold's running. Um, if you look at the gold prices are running and then the gold mining stocks are running, the major miners, the big ones, and then the small ones uh, that trade like up in the Toronto Exchange. There's ETFs that trade these things. And so if you look at those ETFs, they're breaking out on the upside. So uh, as we said in the last podcast, you know, that Bitcoin is a new gold, or we were saying that for a couple of years, and now we're saying gold is a new Bitcoin, or maybe gold is a new gold. And so it's starting to run up here. So, uh, you know, that might explain it. Many times things happen in the markets that aren't really always explainable. Uh, you'd have to probably survey everybody that bought gold and find out what they're thinking. Uh, but uh, many of the people are saying the things that we're, that we're saying right now. Um, so Chris, uh, Elon Musk did something interesting recently, didn't he? Yep. So uh, Elon Musk, uh, it was disclosed, I believe it was just this morning, uh, that he has took a 9.1% 9, 9 stake in the company Twitter, which he has utilizes to kind of voice his opinion. And, um, you know, he's been, if you will, uh, subject to certain terms of the, of the platform. So he decided to take a 9.1% position. And then recently they just asked him to join the board for Twitter as well, uh, since he has the largest stake. So, um, you know, if it's, uh, what do you do if you're one of the richest men in the world and you feel like your voice is being silenced while well, you just, you, you buy out the company. Hey. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, a win for freedom. It's a win for free speech. And uh, I saw today uh, in the news that he was out there soliciting ideas for how people think that he should open up, uh, open up the uh, freedom on the Twitter site. Now that he's the largest shareholder and he's a board member, he has a lot to say about it. So uh, it'd be interesting to see the evolution of Twitter now 
Uh, and then, and also, uh, you know, I just wanted to mention uh, in the last podcast, we talked about the world coming back and uh, we had just had the St. Patrick's Day parades in Chicago and things are starting to happen. Uh, even last weekend, we saw, you know, on Michigan Avenue in Chicago, the great, the magnificent mile uh, where there were always tons of people out and shoppers. Well, that hadn't, hadn't been there for quite a while, but it was again last weekend. So the last month or so has been very good. So all the things that we remember about American society prior to the pandemic are starting to come back. In fact, uh, you know, recently the New York mayor uh, kept masks on children in schools and boy, a lot of backlash on that. So the public may have been okay with some of the restrictions in the beginning of the pandemic because they were nervous, but now uh, people aren't about that anymore. They really want the country to open up and go back to normal. And if there's pockets of problems, deal with them, but not interrupt the entire society and put people out of work and things like that. So, uh, but it's great to see Chris, the world's coming back to life. Uh, and, uh, and that's great. It's going to be a great summer in America. And let's hope that we don't fall into a, a deep recession. If we fall into one at all, uh, we will always, uh, for our clients at four star, uh, in, in, uh, execute on the four-star protection program. We've done some of that already here to protect value when the markets were crashing and it worked very, very well. Recently, commodities have been really the reason why some of the portfolios have been doing well, um, but commodity stocks have been up 20, 25%, 30% in just a couple of weeks here. And I think everybody should be careful that anything that can move that quickly uh, in such a short period of time that far can also move down that quickly. So, and sometimes they move down quicker than they move up. So be careful if you're trading commodities, they can be very, very volatile. We um, have some in our, our uh, portfolios, uh, dynamic portfolios, and ended up having a very good first quarter relative to markets. But nonetheless, uh, you know, you gotta be careful trading that stuff because it's uh, pretty crazy at times. So uh, with oil prices and everything moving. So uh, that's where we stand right about now. Uh, we're going to be back with a couple more uh, really interesting interviews over the next few weeks uh, with different players in the in the economic system. We just recently had a podcast released with two real estate experts talking about the update in the real estate markets. We're going to have the Barones on to talk about uh, the economy uh, and many of the things that Bob writes about in Forbes magazine. Uh, he'll kind of fill us in on those thoughts. Uh, Chris, what else do we have today? Anything? No, I think that about covers it. Okay. Well, everybody, well, we'll leave it there. Um, we look forward to seeing you all again on the next episode of the Four Star Today's Market Explained podcast. Um, be well out there, everybody. Let's leave it there. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about maximizing your stock market returns in the least amount of time and effort, please go to todaysmarketexplained.com and download your copy of the 65 investment terms you must know to reach your financial goals in the shortest possible time. If you felt any benefit from this episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this link with anyone you think will also find value and benefit here. Also, please follow at Today's Market Explained on TikTok, Instagram, and 
and YouTube to see the best moment video clips from every episode. So thanks so much for tuning in and keep growing out there, everyone. This podcast is provided by Four Star Wealth Advisors for general public and general information purposes. This content is not considered to be an offer to buy or sell any securities or investments. Investing involves the risk of loss and an investor should be prepared to bear potential losses. Investments should only be made after a thorough review with your investment advisor, considering all factors, including personal goals, needs, and risk tolerance. Four Star is an SEC registered investment advisor that maintains its principal business in the state of Illinois. The firm may only transact business in states in which it's filed or qualifies for corresponding exemption from such requirements. For information about Four Star's registration status and business operations, please consult the firm's form ADV disclosure documents, the most recent versions of which are available on the SEC Investment Advisory Public Disclosure website at advisorinfo.sec.gov.